leaders and teachers, classroom teachers in particular, having to become more savvy with um, the virtual learning aspect, which is not a bad thing. Um, and I see that when we do, when schools reopen fully, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Wall Street. Black Wall Street. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Black. And now, here's your host, Blair Durham. Greetings. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's the 96th edition of Black Wall Street Today. Wow, we are fast approaching 100. The show is sponsored by the COO team, Apex Financial Group of Virginia, as well as Milestone Mental Health Agency. And this Best of Black Business series is all about social entrepreneurship. But before we get there, I do want to invite you to consider promoting your business via the Black Brand app. It is available as a free download on Apple as well as Android platforms. You can email us at bwst at blackbrand.biz. We'd also love to hear from you regarding your show ideas, your questions, your comments, your concerns. Love to be able to respond to those things on the air. So very excited to welcome our very first guest. Her name is Arian Daniels, and she is the founder of Lex Talk Dyslexia, an advocacy group in Hampton Roads that's dedicated to raising awareness for children with dyslexia through education and community partnership. Ms. Daniels is a mother who was empowered to start the Lex Talk Dyslexia organization after receiving news that her then eight-year-old daughter, Nori, had dyslexia. While searching for a support group, she quickly realized there was not a platform that provided both resources and a safe space for parents to connect. So she decided to create one. Ms. Daniels serves on the board of directors for the Sink and Send Dyslexia Foundation, SDF, and recently organized an annual community bike ride called Let's Talk Dyslexia Bike Roll. As a fundraiser to raise awareness about dyslexia and assist SDF with diagnosing and identifying dyslexia in young readers. Welcome to the show, Arian. How are you? Hello. Well, thank you. How are you? I am doing well. I just want to thank you for your contribution, right? I just, um, you know, in times like these, those innovative hats, you know, that we're all wearing, trying to generate new ideas as to how we can best support our community. Thank you for stepping out and doing something about this. If you wouldn't mind, just give us a little bit of a backstory. What is dyslexia? Well, dyslexia is a learning disability that is very common, affecting one in five people, making di- making it difficult to read and write due to problems identifying speech, sounds, and learning how to relate to letters and words. Wow, didn't realize it was that common, and I have a background in special education. One in five people. Yes, yes, one in five. Okay. Dyslexia. So it's, it's very common. So how did you, and I think this is a fitting conversation, we're heading into back to school with everything that we have going on, how did you know that something was awry with Nari? Well, Nari has always been a very mature child. Mm -hmm. Um, However, reading has always been a struggle for her, and that to me was very mind-boggling as to why explaining and being very articulate is very good for her. She she has no problem with that. Writing was very poor. 
called Confusion with Letters, Numbers and Sounds, such as the six and the nine, and the D and the B, were very much a struggle for her. I also noticed her being being frustrated while reading out loud. Along with her eagerness to learn, it started to become very low to null and void. She wasn't very excited about it as she once was. And from that, I decided to have her tested and found that she was dyslexic. Okay, okay. And so what, if you want to share, what was that sort of testing process like? I know often we want to try and shield our children from, you know, certain kinds of things. How how did that process go? Well, from... Like I said, from that, it was very hard to try to find someone who could test her. Um, Either it was, when you find somebody, it was months out, nine, ten months out. Now we've got the school year gone all the way by. Um, It it was very very much a struggle with trying to find one, someone or a service or someone or a resource to have her tested. Once I did um, find someone, which was the Sinkinson Dyslexia Foundation, they were very beneficial for me in having a resource and having someone to test her. They tested her, found that we had had, she had dyslexia, and then they also provided a tutoring service, and they provide that throughout with all of their um, participants who become diagnosed or receive services or need help from them, which are tailor-made for each individual. And that, to me, was the beneficial part of it because after I had her tested, I also had some place where I could have her go to have um, the tools that she needs to become more successful with dyslexia. Perfect. So let's springboard now into the conversation about Let's Talk. What is your organization doing? Well, the organization is an advocacy group dedicated to raising awareness. Um, it was created to assist parents like myself who have a child or a family member that has been diagnosed with dyslexia or need services to assist in identifying or diagnosing dyslexia, which again are not available in schools public schools and not all private schools either. Um, After receiving that, of course, we came up with Let's Talk Dyslexia, and this is how uh, that was born. But from that, we uh, want to also use this platform to inspire and help other parents with similar issues. But one of our main goals is to push legislation so that other people won't have to work as hard to find resources as I did myself. Mm, so you have some goals as it relates to policy. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, because it's it's a little bit disconcerting um, to know that, you know, there's a very robust special education program, but that, that, it, that it does not actually provide services to um, or advocacy for students with dyslexia. No, no. It does not. Um, that is the sad part about it because there are, yes, reading specialists that are in school, but they are not equipped to handle students with dyslexia. It's a different breed. You, you can't use that same type of tool or technique to help a student that's having problems reading if they have dyslexia. There are different forms of dyslexia as well. So once you have a diagnosis and is able to identify what it is, you need to have someone who's equipped and ready. And schools do not have that. And that's where our children that have dyslexia fall, fall through the cracks. 
Yeah. And it's very sad. It's just heartening. Very disheartening. So we talked a little bit about diagnosis. I do want to ask you a little bit about the prognosis. So with the um, the classes that Nori's taking, the sort of treatment that she's receiving, um, is she expected to fully recover from dyslexia? Or is it something that she will always deal with and she's learning strategies to be able to cope with it? Like, what is that part of it? Well, let me, let me address this. Uh, once you're diagnosed or dyslexia is hereditary. So you could have a family member that has it, um, a brother, sister, uncle. My brother has it. I want to, I always use this. My brother is also a recent graduate, PhD graduate from Cornell, and he has dyslexia. Oh, wow. You can go far with it. With that said, it's something you will always have. It does not go away, but you learn the tools and the strategies to deal with it, and it does get, it comes a little more easier because you know how to handle it. You'll know how to combat that. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. No, I had no idea. So how can individuals connect with your organization that either need the support or that might be interested in participating in the upcoming event? Well, uh, we always welcome community support. We ask that you follow us on Instagram, and that is Let's Talk, and that's L-E-X. Talk Dyslexia on Instagram. We also ask that you donate. We have a GoFundMe um, at uh, Let's Talk Dyslexia as well. Uh, other initiatives that we have going on, again, we would love to have the legislation passed. That's an overall goal that we would have, that we have ongoing. We have some other things that are coming up. We have the bike roll that just passed this Saturday, which was a great success. We have an unveiling of the Let's Talk Dyslexia patch. That's designed for the girls. That was designed for the Girl Scouts of the Colonial Coast, and we have the March 29th that just passed, and because of COVID, we weren't able to celebrate it. But we have the Let's Talk Dyslexia Day that has been recognized in several cities throughout um, Hampton Roads. Wow! Congrats to you. When did you found the organization? Well, she was diagnosed in 2016, and we had our first forum in Norfolk in 2017, March 2017. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. I want to ask you, too, about your involvement with Sinkinson um, and sort of how that organization or that foundation supports the work that you might be doing with and through Lex Talk. Well, Lex Talk does not diagnose anyone we just provide the resources and the, I mean, a resource and a platform so Stinkinson is able to do that and that is a good partnership that we have Stinkinson can diagnose um, and help identify and that is what they do they're a nonprofit organization that provides the services to struggling readers that are suffering with or from dyslexia got it okay Okay. Mm-hmm. If you just tuned in, uh, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today. Um, having a fantastic interview with Arian Daniels of Lex Talk Dys- Dyslexia. We're talking about uh, an organization that exists to provide a platform as well as resources for parents uh, of children who, who may be struggling with dyslexia. And so, again, if you would um, just reiterate how we can connect with you on social media. That'd be great. 
um, through Instagram. Again, we always welcome community support, but through Instagram at Let's Talk Dyslexia, and that's Lex, L-E-X, Talk Dyslexia. And we also have a GoFundMe where we um, encourage everyone to please donate, and that's uh, Let's Talk Dyslexia as well. And what, what else is on the horizon for the organization, particularly as we um, head into the school year? I'm thinking about the virtual platform. I'm wondering if that um, is helpful for students with dyslexia or if uh, sort of if the virtual environment tends to exacerbate issues of dyslexia. How are you all um, kind of seeing your involvement as we're heading into the school year? Well, Seeing that we all, the schools are all doing a lot of things that are online, this is a good time to broach the subject about um, virtual learning because some are very good at it and some are not. There are a lot of resources also, free resources online that could be very beneficial to some, such as uh, like a website or, or, sorry, website or app you may be able to download, such as Sound Literacy and Dyslexia Quest. They should be very beneficial with helping students with dyslexia. Again, the Sinkinson Dyslexia Foundation is a very good resource. And especially with this time that we're in right now, those those things would be very helpful. And it all depends on how severe the dyslexia is, what type of dyslexia they have. And getting that diagnosis will help you be better equipped to handle the virtual avenue as to which way you should go. So I've heard you mention on several occasions that there are multiple types of dyslexia. Is it that dyslexia um, has a continuum, like uh, like the autism spectrum, or is it that there are literally distinct types of dyslexia? There is a distinct, there is a distinct type. Um, you have dyscalculia and you have dysgraphia. My daughter has dysgraphia. That means she's very visual. She can hear things. She equates a lot easier listening to things. Mm-hmm. Like audiobooks would be very helpful for her. Mm, okay. And what was the other type? Dysgraph- dyscalculia? Dyscalculia. Um, I'm not as equate with that as I am with dysgraphia, but dysgraphia, like I said, my daughter has that, and that's more of a visual Got for it. her. And that the difference is she she can equate things better by listening. She can hear quite hear things and and rattle off much faster as opposed to having to sit there and write it down because that's the confusing part with the letters, as I mentioned earlier. She you know the D and the B and the six and the nine kind of confusing for her. But if you could tell her, she could go do it. Yeah, and she could do it immediately. She could explain herself. She could articulate it very well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. Just really thinking about um, our community, right, and how we tend to um, deal with misdiagnoses or late Mm. diagnoses, um, Mm. but not always kind of on top of these sorts of things for various reasons. There's all like discrimination, don't get me wrong, right? It's not that we don't want to find out, um, but you know, in terms of our access and things like that, there could be a struggle. So I really see your platform as a bridge um, to ensure that we're getting the, the proper support, the proper access. What has our community's response been to your existence? So far, so good. Very, very welcoming, open arms. Um, 
a lot of you just mentioned something that misdiagnosis and and not, either not wanting to be diagnosed. A lot of times, as I mentioned before about my daughter, she became very frustrated. Some of that people might equate that to being a problem, um, behavioral problem, um, and it's really an, an acting out, uh, uh, asking for help type mm-hmm. of thing because they don't know what to do. It's a confusion. They seem to think that something is wrong, but they don't know what the wrong is. Yeah. Because you can't look at a person and say, oh, she has dyslexia. You can't right. look at him and say, just because he's acting out, oh, he has dyslexia. He doesn't just, even know Just to confirm, mm-hmm. your daughter would literally see the letters. Is it backward? Mm, that's a lot of people ask that. It's not, it's just backwards. So, well, to some it may be. To some it may be backwards. For her, yes, it was backwards. But when she would read it, she she knew kind of what it was, but it just wasn't equating the two as if that's a D or is that a B. I know myself now, and I have not been diagnosed, but it can be some kind of confusing for some who, who are left-handed. My daughter is also left-handed. Okay. Wow. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was having a... No, no, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter's um. also left-handed. So that that also played into the confusion with the dyslexia because, you know, when she writes to me, she writes backwards. Yeah. Because when I'm leaning over her, it's backwards to me. Mm. But it's perfectly right to her. But and, her and again, I, I am far it. from... Um, I'm a diagnostician. I'm not a medical doctor. I am a mom. A pet. Right. I'm a and mother. That is a valid perspective, right? You are assisting yeah. her with trying to complete her schoolwork and everything else that she's doing in life. So, right. And I, I'm also, as I've told parents or people before, you have to be the advocate for your child. Mm-hmm. Because we teach our children to be respectful, you know, so you, they're, they're acting out to become known as, oh, that's a problem child, but they're asking for help and just don't know how to. So you have to be an advocate for your child. When, right. you're, when she's at school and they are pushing back against, you know something's not right, but you don't quite know what it is either. And I'm speaking from experience. Um, mm-hmm. You don't know what it is either. You know, they, she's not doing well. We're going to fail her. You're going to fail her for one And what is the problem? And you can't tell me what the issue is that she's having either. So I'm just going to let you fail her without any other recourse. Are you telling me what we can do? And then next year when we get to the same point and you still have no answer for me, what are you going to say then? I've lost to you. So now what do we do? So you have to... You have to dig deep. You have to ask questions. You have to be the advocate for your child. When you notice something's not right, start asking. Have a relationship with the teacher. Have a relationship with the principal and the administration. Because when it comes down to it and they just say, no, we're not going to pass her, but you can't tell me why. Well, because she's struggling in reading. Well, do you have anyone that can help her? Correct. Because and that's I keep what her, those tax dollars are paying for. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We've got exactly. only 30 seconds remaining. I would love it if you told us in these next 30 seconds um, how to connect with you on Instagram and then what you have coming up next. Okay. Um, Instagram at Let's Talk Dyslexia and that's Lex, L-E-X, 
Um, we've had also do GoFundMe at Let's Talk Dyslexia. And coming up, we did the bike ride just passed. We have an unveiling of the Let's Talk Dyslexia patch for the Girl Scouts of the Colonial Coast. We also have the Community Read. We're working on that, which is a launch that we're trying to do. And we have the, the Let's Talk Dyslexia Day. Awesome. Congrats again, and thank you so much for this incredible platform. Certainly would love to have you back on the show uh, in the coming months. I think that'd be great. I'd love to do it. Talk in just a moment. Are you a 757 business owner? Do you desire to make new connections and grow your community involvement? Could you benefit from taking classes to sharpen your skills? Well, join Black Brand, Hampton Roads Regional Black Chamber of Commerce. Completing a membership application is simple. Just click onto our website at www.blackbrand.biz or download the app. We look forward to meeting and building with you soon. Hey, this is Seiko, DJ Seiko Varner, the producer of this podcast. So when I'm not producing podcasts, I'm actually DJing wedding receptions, corporate events, proms, other formals, and I would love to take care of your special event. So our company is Positive Vibes Incorporated, www.positivevibes.net. That's www.positivevibes.net. We've been performing for over 25 years and we would love to bring our expertise and our fun to your special event. Positive Vibes Incorporated, www.positivevibes.net. Peace and prosperity. When the conversation is good and the friends are even better, you'll find a wine that brings it all together. Shoe Crazy Wine. Remember that name, Shoe Crazy Wine. Available at Costco, Kroger, and these other fine retailers. We know you love jazz music, so let's try some jazz music with a little R&B flavor. some jazz music with a little trap flavor. Jazz and Caribbean. Hey, we mix it up. So, online, look for Grandpa Crunk and enjoy the great jazz music. Grandpa Crunk. Jazz music. And now, more Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham on Smooth 88.1 WHOV. Welcome back. It's the 96th edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. Super excited for today's Best of Black Business Volume 9, where we're focused on social entrepreneurship. Our next guest is Jacqueline C. Chavis. She is the founder of Colander Chavis Consulting. Over the years, Jacqueline has accumulated 29 years of extensive experience as an educator in pre-K through 12 public education. Her experience includes teaching middle school science, serving as a science specialist and assistant principal, principal, executive director of elementary schools, deputy deputy superintendent of curriculum and instruction, and chief academic officer. Colander Chavis Education Consulting provides quality services to district administrators, school administrators, and teacher leaders through collaborative and customized services designed to build the capacity of educational leaders and empower them to adopt and sustain impact practices 
that result in positive student outcomes. Welcome, Ms. Chavis. How are you? Hi, Blair. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. That was a mega mouthful. I'm going to have you. <laughs> Even it sounded if that way. You in advance. I was just like, oh, this is a lot of words. I've got to have you unpack some of that for us in terms of, I think a good place to start really is what new considerations for educators and other uh, leaders in the public edu- education space has COVID brought about? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, in my role as consultant, what I've seen over time is that um, leaders are leaders and teachers, classroom teachers in particular, having to become more savvy with um, the virtual learning aspect, which is not a bad thing. Um, and I see that when we do, when schools reopen fully um, over time, that that will be something that teachers will be most comfortable with. And we will probably more than ever be able to better meet, meet the needs of those kids who are technology savvy and, and who want more than just what some have been able to provide over time. So I see that space, just the look of instruction is changing. And again, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Um, I, as, far, as far as leadership, the way um, that principals and central office leaders uh, are having to pivot a bit mm-hmm. to um, be able to meet the needs not just of the students but the staff. I see that there's a greater level of um, community that's being built across schools and school systems. Um, a greater level of commitment to making sure that while we're you know dealing with some challenging times right now, that it's not time to to touch a tail and you know just. Um, hope it's going to go away, but it's time, and they're doing that. They're stepping up to help each other, and it's also pulling in the local community. I think it's a third thing, and our leaders are working with community organizers and uh, organizations and religious affiliations to just lean in and help meet the needs of families as we try and educate children remotely. Um, And so I think it's it's really this whole COVID time has brought schools together, uh, communities together by way of helping schools and helping teachers, and I think it's a great thing, and I I trust that that will continue once we're back in uh, full swing again. You know, I really appreciate you framing it in that way because sometimes there's a temptation to just assume that if we are you know, Zoom savvy, then that's enough. (laughs) Uh, We're talking about something that's bigger than just being able to use technology, though. Um, Right. Because, man, COVID has brought about, you know, all kinds of anxiety. And so I like that you're talking about the community that that is being built, you know, through and and as a result of of this process. So let me ask you then, Specifically, mm-hmm. how have you kind of pivoted your offering um, since COVID? Well, you know, initially it was more face-to-face. Um, work going into schools and, and working with principals, uh, partnering with principals actually, and doing classroom walkthroughs and visits, and then being able to kind of think through what school improvement would look like for a particular school if a principal was interested in that, and also helping principals to build their leadership, enhance their leadership um, skills. And so my pivot was to then begin to do that, first of all, to market myself in that way, but to do that virtually, which was also new for me. Um, I've also, over time, as I've worked with um, schools and organizations, seen such a focus and the need 
to have a greater uh, level of support in the area of social-emotional learning and um, making sure that, again, we're meeting the needs of children, not just academically, but making sure that they feel safe um, emotionally and, and socially. And that, you know, the whole virtual learning piece creates sometimes barriers for that to happen. Um, but also working with adults to make sure that they're okay in this space to be able to work with our children. So that's been a pivot for me um, to really um, not be static in what my initial offerings were with you know, leadership development or central office uh, transitioning into central office and teacher leadership, but also really just making sure that I am aware and have my finger on the pulse of what schools and children need um, a meeting and then being able to provide that. And so, as an example, I've been, I'm doing some work partnering with um, the Up Center uh, Boys and Girls Club for on both the South Side and Peninsula, and they're looking at how they can better support their staff. Um, doing really great work to, to you know to be able to offer resources to them. Um, and so that's been a, a pivot for me as well. So I'm seeing myself now as a conduit for, of resources. And um, which has expanded my my vision of what then I can do as part of my business. So it's been a it's been a change, but it's not been a bad thing at all. Yeah, I kind of wanted to park uh, in the area of you know the social emotional learning. That conversation for me is just an underlying one. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what are you? Hearing as you broach that conversation with with leaders, um, how are students navigating um, as they're you know what's the what's you've got your finger on that pulse? What is that? There's a lot of anxiety right now um, as we look at schools. Some schools have already reopened. Some are in the process of doing that now. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of anxiety with um, if we're going to be those that are following the face-to-face model, meaning they're physically going into school again, uh, while they may be practicing the CDC guidelines, the safe, dis- the safe distancing and all of that. For some, there's a little anxiety about, you know, um, just we talk about safety, that the, the safety of their health and those that they're also um, caring for and the children. Yeah. Um, the other part that when we talk about social-emotional piece is that the safe distancing has created some forms of isolation and so people are being a little bit more, uh, finding themselves in more of a depressed state than ever before. And so I think that is so important because we have to understand that um, children love to be in communication and connect with each other, not just, you know, from a distance, but to be able to be, to be, able to be close and kind of be buddies and, and play games and all those things out on the playground, to work in small groups in the classroom. And so we're not able to do that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for children... There's a level of, of isolation um, because they're not able to be with their peers. Um, they may have been with adults from schools closing back in March until they reopen again. Yeah. And so parents are trying to be savvy and find ways to meet that need as well. So from the staff perspective and the student perspective, there's some anxiety about just trying to make sure we're doing best um, for the kids. But also we have to understand, and I've been telling many, it's okay not to be okay right now. We just have to find the support that we need to be okay again. And yeah. it's possible. Um, and so and it's working easy with to kind of 
that just I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's I'm just okay. Thinking that you know it's it's easy to dismiss some of those feelings. You know, you think about right. how parents are, you know, they're working from home, they're making sure that their students, mm-hmm. you know, their their children are actually participating in school. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we really don't have time for right. the business of, you know, the stress and the anxiety right. that may be yeah. associated. So I like hearing you say, you know, it's okay to not be okay right now. And and yeah. really from that space, I kind of want to ask this next question. Uh-huh. Uh, and that is, what three tips would you provide to parents um, for a successful virtual learning experience? I would say first is to just make sure that they stay in communication with the child's teacher initially because that would be the the front line um, to make sure that things go smoothly for parents, you know, to make sure that they understand what the needs of the children are, the way of supplies and the academic piece, but staying in constant communication with expectations for attendance and grading, all those things. Um, the second thing I would say, as I mentioned before, with that communication is to ask for, don't be afraid to ask for help. Yes. If you're not getting it from that teacher, or you feel like there's still more that, that you still just need, then move up to the, to the principal, to the administrators in that building, to central office to seek that support. But don't be afraid to ask for help. I would say to also, uh, outside of the school, there are other organizations and other parents who really stepped up to help parents uh, be able to to homeschool technically. I mean, to be there in this during this virtual learning time, this remote time. Yeah. And so I've seen ideas of how to manage the, the space at home and how to what it could look like, and making sure kids get those breaks periodically to step away from that screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these techs will be to ask for help if needed. And I would say to also maintain those routines, establish routines. They should be doing that now in preparation for school opening. What time will they have to get up to be ready to log in ahead of time to have breakfast and lunch and, and again, have those breaks away from the screen um, so that kids can then just play and relax and have some, you know, rethink and get the mental space back together. So communication, ask for help if it's needed, and uh, establish and maintain those routines throughout and just connect with everybody. Facebook, there's a great 757 Virtual Learning Facebook page where they're sharing information. Um, That's awesome to see them come together. If there's some counseling that's needed, um, that's with the child or the family to seek that support as well so that everybody's operating in a safe space mentally and emotionally. Um, And just, um, we got this. They're going to do it. Uh, So hopefully things will... um, as we progress through this time, not just COVID, but we don't know what kids are seeing and hearing on TV with the um, rioting and the, and the social injustice happening right now. So we've got to really protect our kids and not just the elementary, middle school kids, but high school kids as well. Um, for what they're seeing, what they're hearing every day um, to protect them and so that they can also be healthy. Okay. Man, I've got like 36 more questions for you. We've got to plan some more time to talk, clearly. That works. But let me ask you this, though, just in terms of Colander Chavis Consulting. How can we Mm -hmm. connect with you as a resource in our community? Um, Talk to us about your platforms, website, all those different things. Okay. Um, My website, they can reach me at www.colanderchavisconsulting.com. And there's a place there where they can, um, you know, insert any information, request for assistance, or they need resources. They can, they can uh, put that information there. Um, my phone number seven five seven seven five seven eight 
777-5698 is another way to reach me. Uh, and then finally, they can email me at Jackie, J-A-C-K-I-E, Chavis, C-H-A-V-I-S, 62, at gmail.com. So there are three ways to get me, any of those three, and I'll be happy to, to reach out and um, provide whatever support you need it. Perfect. Do you have anything coming up that we can plug into? Any kind of webinar session, anything that you're, um, any event that you might be hosting as a resource that you want to share? Well, thank you for asking that. There's a, a blog that hit today. I was um, accepted with the Ed, Education Post. And okay. so that's on my website. So I encourage readers to go there to get information on, just get my thoughts on. Uh, you know, questions we should be asking ourselves as we're leaving and, and preparing for school reopening. The other is I'm in the process of developing a series on master classes or lean-in sessions where I will be pulling uh, building administrators together to talk about leading during this time, how they can then support each other to share ideas, um, to, to be able to put additional resources out there. Um, and then on my website, continue to watch. I still have a recording up from a webinar that I did a few weeks ago about a trauma-informed approach to opening schools. It is so informative, and I would encourage uh, people to go on our website as well to see that. Awesome. Thank you so much, okay. Ms. Chavis. This has been an honor having you here. And like I said, I look forward to a future conversation, particularly as things progress. I know there will be changes and would love to uh, continue to have you inform our perspective on this matter. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate you having me, too. And best of luck to you and your work. Thank you for giving a platform to all of us. Oh, it's my privilege for sure. And thank you all for listening to Black Wall Street today. Uh, again, this show is sponsored by the COO team, Apex Financial Group of Virginia, as well as Milestone Mental Health Agency. A very special thank you to Ms. Arian Daniels with Lex Talk Dyslexia. That's L-E-X-T-A-L-K-D-Y-S-L-E-X-I-A. You can connect with her via Instagram at Lex Talk Dyslexia. And thank you to Jacqueline Chavis. And you can connect with her via her website, Colander, C-O-L-A-N-D-E-R, Chavis, C-H-A-V-I-S, consulting.com. Again, that's Colander, Chavis, consulting.com. Again, thank you for listening to Black Wall Street today, where we're building minds, building connections, and forging the path ahead toward business success in the black community. Tune in next week where our guests, Miguel Perez and David Sharp, will inform Best of Black Business, Volume 10. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black Wall Street. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street.